Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, David Seberg, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin is getting slammed after Japanese regulators call for an upgrade of a major exchange. Are we seeing the death of Bitcoin as we know it? BK will break it down. Plus, the chart master says there's one beaten down Dow stock that's heading for a big comeback. He'll tell us the name and how high he sees it going. But first, we start off with the energy sector to the rescue, helping the Dow avoid its longest losing streak in 40 years. One could say it was the type of dramatic save one only sees on an episode of Baywatch. Check out some of these moves in the past three months. Exxon up 11%, ConocoPhillips up 20%, Marathon Oil up 36%, and finally, Chesapeake Energy up 63%. So what better time to play a rousing game of trade it or fade it? Energy style. We all know the rules of the game, right? Trade it or fade it? Can you just go over them quickly? It's Friday. It's been... (laughs) Guy, Chesapeake. Well, Melissa, (laughs) hi on this Friday. You're going to say the stock's up 63%. How can you possibly trade this stock still? That's a great question. I will say you trade CHK, and one of the reasons why is valuation still isn't ridiculous, although that's not in and of itself a reason to buy the stock, but there is still a significant short interest of 22%, and I don't think they've come close to covering yet. I think the OPEC news is bullish, as you saw today with the stock up 3.5%, and I think there's still room. People will chase, and I think they'll chase this closer to $6.5 than they will sell it below 5 So I say, despite the move, Trade CHK. Which means Ooh. buy it. That's yes. no, no, see, I'm just clarifying. No, 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 I did it correctly the from the start. And then you you're not the only one involved here. There's a viewer yeah. at so home. Why didn't, you wanna... cr- why didn't you give me the rules at the beginning like I asked you for? You wouldn't know how to do that at the time. What would you do with Chesapeake? You know, I think for a short-term trade, I'd be a buyer of Chesapeake. For short-term, again, I agree with Guy. I think the short interest is the qualifier there for me. This move will last a little bit longer in energy, not, not for a very long time, but I do believe the shorts are going to continue to push this thing higher. I'd be a buyer. It's overbought, actually, on an RSI relative strength index, so which you would it's been, I, I would fade, fade it. it. I would fade, mm, fade. I would fade Chesapeake. Yeah. It's overbought. Last time it was overbought, it came in pretty dramatically for a $4 number or $5 number. Mm. So you have to be very careful. It had a big day today on a relative basis. I would stay away. I would Fade. fade See, now, I don't know, but I would say I would trade his fade, but uh, I really, no what way. I'm trying to say is I would That's buy. confusing. Right, exactly. <laughs> the whole thing's confusing because trading is both buying and selling, believe it or not. You know, when you have a trade, right. there's a buyer and a seller. Point is, I would buy Chesapeake. You would huh? buy, okay. Right. Buy huh? with a B. And, and so maybe the game yeah. should be buy it or sell deny it. it. Oh. Buy it or deny no, it. No, the graphics are made for trade it or fade it, so that's what we're going to stick My with My pushback to Steve quickly yes, would be, and please. Steve knows this, and I'm not suggesting he's but RSIs, you know, if the stock flatlines sure. for the next couple weeks, oh. RSIs come back to right. normal levels, Ooh. and then the stock could go from there. So Yes, you, and to counter your counter. Counter the counter. All stocks react differently with a relative strength index or RSI. This one, Chesapeake in question, actually responds pretty dramatic to an overbought and an oversold. 
Thank you. You know what that so is? We, quickly, can quiet. we? Can we? That's a trade school. Can we throw that graphic mm, nice. on? That's Stephen's trade school. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice a lot job, of things but. happening on this Friday. Grasso gets his own pick here. Marathon oil. Grasso traded or faded? Well, I'm going to be consistent here. I'm going to go with faded because it's still in the energy complex. The reason why energy moved today was OPEC. That was the overarching macro news of the day. Everyone was expecting a million new barrels per day to enter production. We got something like 600. Uh, 600,000. The big difference was that was bullish or seen as bullish for the entire market. I think it's a sell. I think energy is a sell. Fades once again. What do well, you do? Well, I trade. I trade it because you got a great setup here. $22 looks like it could break out. You don't need to buy it ahead of that. You can wait for that breakout. See if oil continues its run here. So I'm a trader of this or a buyer of it. Well, I, I would say I'm a buyer as well. Again, for the short term, I think all, you know, rising tide's going to lift all boats in this sector. I don't care whether it's the garbage energy stock or the, or the most high quality. It was up 7% today, though. Don't it, you think you should let it breathe? You know, you can, you can let it breathe, but I do think there's, I wouldn't let it breathe right now. I think there's more upside in the near term in this sector. I'm with Steve on fade it. See, I'm playing the game correctly. Not right. buy it. I said, well, because I want to change the game. Buy it or deny it. Still Apparently, buy it we can't do that. I like buy it or deny it. it. But by my metric, so this stock valuation is expensive, and it doesn't have near, it has like a 2% short interest. So not a lot of shorts in here. They're going to give you the next impetus to get it to that 25 level. So I'm with Steve on this Plus, one. Plus, before we get all excited, if you look at energy as a whole, uh -huh. Guy and I like to play this game with the XLE, five-year performance is basically dead money. So granted, you have these moves that are month to month, right, but, the, but on the whole, energy has really done well, nothing those, those for are five years. Because those are integrated. Right. Yes. Right. Which brings but, us. A, a lot of integrated names. Which brings us to our next one. Ah, nice job. Yeah, ConocoPhillips. Oh, Brian that, Kelly. That's an integrated. It's good to know. No, so I'm, I'm a buyer of this one. I'm a buyer. I'm not going to be a denier. And the reason why, no again, denier. yes, Stop it is. It is a buyer or denier. Right, so BK's a buyer. And I'm trading it. And the reason why, again, it comes down to I think all of these names have this great risk reward set up right now. $65 on ConocoPhillips. I know where my stop is. That's it right there. And then I can shoot for the upside as long as oil can keeps I, going can high. Can I inject a, a question? You run into the this. show. I mean, where, I know I could do whatever I want. Um, what <laughs> levels do we need to see oil hold on to in order for these? Um, traded or faded scenarios to work. What, I mean, well, it's interesting. You. Crude's actually come off over the last yeah. couple of weeks, and these stocks have done relatively well. So if yeah. crude, again, were to sort of go sideways, even if it was just slightly lower, I think you'd still see performance in the energy sector. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it also goes back to the demand picture right now, because I think that's the biggest risk in the entire market. So I would suggest that the worst case scenario would be for it to go through to, to 75 bucks, right, which would scare the heck out of people from the standpoint of the expense for gasoline and, and et cetera. So I think we're in a pretty good zone right now. I think you can have crude continue to grind a little bit higher, and, and I think you, you're a winner. But so you just asked is, on his call, I'm a buyer of that. I agree with you, BK, because you want to own Brent-levered Brent levered names, right? Anything levered there because the spread between WTI and Brent is probably going to continue to widen. I don't this name. So you just brought up the best question of the night so far is where crude goes. Thank because you. if you well look at. I've already invited you over if to you the look desk at, Oh, here, that's so. right. I'm still here. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> if you look at everything is reliant, it depends on to what right. degree on the crude move. The crude move is at the upper end of the bounce or the sell zone right now. It should be a sell right here at 69.30, which is right where we are. Mm. All right. Uh, last pick here, ExxonMobil, David Seberg, uh, trader or fader? Uh, I'm a fader. I'm a seller, fader, whatever you want to say. I mean, look, there's no growth in this company until 2020, zero growth. So you look at it and say the stock probably just meanders. It probably will. If you say rise and tide lifts all boats, 
grind higher if oil continues to grind higher, but it's going to underperform every other name that's a higher quality name. I'd prefer to own a CVX over an Exxon over all of these levels. It was energy today that saved the Dow from its nine saved session it. yeah. losing streak. So what do you make of that in terms of being able to snap that losing streak, but with the leadership of a very small part of the S&P Well, the tech, I mean, well, obviously, I'm sure we'll discuss this, if not on this show, on the great options action at 530 with Dan and Mike and Carter Worth. With that said, technology, the underperformance of technology would have been our lead in a lot of shows, but for this energy. So it does concern me a wee bit. Yes, you had a, the, the breaking of the eight-day losing streak. The S&P was up, you know, marginally. That gives me some pause. And can I play real quickly? Sure. Uh, what did you do on ExxonMobil? I faded. Yeah, I'm a faded. denier as well. I deny it. Deny it. <laughs> wait, wait, what does yes. that mean? Buy it or deny it. Buy it or deny it. So you're also fading. No, no, okay. I just said I'm denying it. The energy it. complex does not have the punching power of the technology yeah. group. It can never lead this market for longer than uh, a day or two or maybe even stabilize it for a day or two. I think for the most part, if energy was for sale in, a, in some large way, there's no way that, uh, I'm sorry, if technology was for sale in some large way, there's no way that energy saves the day. So this is uh, putting all your eggs in the wrong basket if you think energy right. is going to keep this rally going. All right, coming up, the crypto universe is crumbling as Bitcoin sinks to its lowest levels of the year. Are we witnessing Bitcoin Armageddon? We've got the details. Plus, it's been a tough week for Tesla. One top analyst says something about the electric vehicle company just doesn't add up. And later, the chart master is pressing the buy button on one beaten down Dow stock. And when you find out why, you might be pressing the buy button, too. We're live from the Nasdaq market side in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin taking a beating, breaking below 6,000, down about 11% today as the hodler's nightmare continues. Check out this chart. Bitcoin down 65% since its all-time high hit on December 17th. And that is only half the story. Our Bob Pisani is at the NYSE to break the rest down. Bob. Hi, Melissa. Cryptocurrencies are facing a crisis of confidence right now. This week, it's mostly around the security of exchanges. Bitcoin prices fell over 6% today after Japan's financial regulator ordered several crypto exchanges to step up their game to prevent money laundering, terrorist financing, and unauthorized access. Who could blame them? Break-ins at two South Korean exchanges have been a real blow to security and confidence. On Wednesday, South Korean crypto exchange Bithum said it was temporarily suspending deposit and withdrawal services after about 30 million worth of cryptos were stolen. That follows another break-in last week when CoinRail, another South Korean exchange, had been hacked, losing over 40 million in all coins. Japan's largest Bitcoin exchange, Bitflyer, then said it would suspend the creation of new accounts and improve measures to stop money laundering. So speaking of confidence, earlier in this week, there was a withering assessment from the Bank for International Settlements. Now, these are the central banks for other central banks around the world. On Sunday, they released a report saying cryptos were unstable, they consumed too much electricity, and that they were subject to too much manipulation and fraud to ever work as a medium of exchange. Finally, this technical pattern, oh, it could not look worse. Not only is there a straight line downtrend in place, we're about to break below the lows for the year. That was set on February 6th. Remember that when Bitcoin briefly broke below 6,000 before bouncing back? And then it doubled to 12,000 in the following four weeks? That's a good reminder of just how volatile crypto can be. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Bob. Thank you, Bob Pisani. Well, all this terrible price action in crypto has given us pause and forced us to ask a tough question. Should we continue to cover Bitcoin 
And the answer is sadly no. So today we are having a funeral for Bitcoin. It was fun while it lasted, so many memories, so many friends. There was Tom Lee and his calls for 20,000 by year end. There was Novogratz and his calls for 40,000. And there was Ripple. I think we'll miss you most of all, Brad Garlinghouse. And then there were the characters, Bitcoin Jesus, the Oracle of Bitcoin, all 500 of the Ethereum co-founders, and who could forget the Coinbase screen grab and mindless trolling on Twitter. And of course, our Bitcoin bug, Bitcoin, we hardly knew you. But you will occupy. Hold on, hold on, what? hold on. I mean, listen, I, I've got a couple things I want to say here. This is not the funeral for Bitcoin whatsoever. So follow me over here to the, <laughs> to the thing. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Couple different things. Let's look at the Bitcoin bug that we just retired, and all of a sudden we're declaring that, uh, that, uh, that the Bitcoin funeral is here. You know when that Bitcoin bug came on? That was just around the highs. So when we start to declare a funeral and things get really horrible, sentiment is approaching the lows. So hopefully we'll use that funeral bug to say, hey, you know what? That was near the lows. Number two. Bob talked about the, the Japan exchanges ordered to improve business conditions. It's actually a good thing. Short run, it's going to be a little tough because they're stopping uh, new accounts from coming in, but actually they're cleaning up the system. They're making sure it's more robust, making sure it's better for people. And then finally, there was news today that Mt. Gox is going into rehab, rehabilitation, and they're, gonna, they're going to distribute the rest of the $1 billion worth of Bitcoin. But here's what's great about that. They're not going to distribute it until at least Q1 of 2019. Everybody thinks all of a sudden there's going to be a wave of selling. Not happening now. So let's go to the chart and see where we are. Now, when I walked over here, look at this. Okay, we've had this big downtrend, 65 70% peak to down here. That is not unusual for Bitcoin. It's very painful. But look at this, where we are right here, okay? Guess where we were? That was only back in November, okay? You know where we were a year ago? $2,500. So, you know, let's put this in perspective. It doesn't mean that Bitcoin can't go lower. It, this is a bear market, and in bear markets, we don't know where they end. There's usually some kind of big uh, crescendo to that. But this is by no means the uh, funeral for Bitcoin. So, BK, when you look at that middle circle, the middle level that you just plugged in there, that's roughly December, early on December, that's when uh, Bitcoin futures, correct me if I'm wrong, started trading, and then... About 17 days later, we see the peak in Bitcoin, and we haven't seen that be resurrected or we haven't seen that lower trend line be broken. Is it because people can now bet against Bitcoin that you have a real arena for the bears to lie in? No, I don't think so. There's not enough trading in the Bitcoin futures to really, to, to, I mean, it's increasing, but to really put that kind of pressure on them, they're cash settled. There's a little bit difference there. I mean, we had a couple, we had a confluence of a couple different things. Remember, we had tax selling. Remember uh, that we had a couple of these hacks. And then also remember that we've had $10 billion of new money go into ICOs. To me, the ICO market looks like that right now. Looks like December where we put up the Bitcoin bug. Down here is where I want to be starting to get long these cryptocurrencies and less into the ICOs. Question for you, BK. Do you think we should bring back the Bitcoin bug? Uh, yeah, you know what? I do think we should bring it back. I like to be a contrarian, so yeah, let's do it. <laughs> there it is. There he is. There it is. <laughs> what? No, it was great. You. you did the hand thing, but you went the wrong way. I know, because, you got to you know, look this way, yeah. and you got to look, that was I fantastic. Because I'm looking at the reverse on the TV. Anyway, yeah. 
It's hard to make BK. your brain work that way. I, Thank mine you. just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, former CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz says the struggling stock will take investors to the promised land and that one trader, that has one trader going all in. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. His prices are insane. That's what Howard Schultz wrote about the price of Starbucks stock. And we've got a way to buy it for even less. Plus. So, Michael, what do you think about the new design? Brian, I love it. You know, Blazer and I go back a long way. Well, Mike, wait till you see the new Chevy Blazer. Because it's already got some of the traders kicking the tires on GM stock. And that's when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for a buzzkill. Check out Tesla stock sinking 4% today after Bernstein analyst Tony Sakanagi questioned the way the electric vehicle maker accounts for car costs implied it could be attempting to hide losses from Wall Street. Bernstein currently has a $265 price target on Tesla, which is about 20% lower from here. This caps off a tumultuous week for Tesla, the electric car automaker, suing a former employee for hacking, sharing data from the company. CEO Elon Musk accused the employee of sabotage. After a big run in the past month, the stock is down 7% this week. So is this the time to pump the brakes on Tesla? Grasso. Uh, no, I'm still long. I, you know where I bought it? I bought it. I, the last purchase was right around that 280, 281 mark. I'm still long. It had a, a massive spike higher. It's settling in now. If you look at this stock, it only matters what Model 3 production is going to be. All of this, all of the analysts that march out every time the stock spikes higher, they're going to sound like white noise. If they meet production levels of 5,000, which they probably will, the stock is over $400 bid. I, look, I, I'd say this. I think the, the, the one thing you have to look at in this scenario is who's the incremental buyer, right? And if there's an issue, a potential issue like Tony identified today, with, with the way they're uh, you sort of allocating costs of goods sold, and there's a, margin, a real true gross margin issue, that is a red flag. That's a really bad, bad black eye for them. So I'd say this. The institutional community right now, the core holders, they're happy, happy holders, maybe the mutual funds, the long onlys. Hedge fund community is circling the wagons. They are asking for any information they can to potentially get short the stock at the right time and, and really press on that. So Those wagons if, have burned before. I, I understand that, but short here's the difference. People, invest, core investors think that Elon Musk is, is, is crazy. I mean, the way he's coming out with his text, all that stuff. So I would suggest this, you... the street has looked through the possibility of missing numbers. The street has, I get looked, it, the but, street has looked through all sorts of things. The possibility of capital raise, all of a sudden they're going to be hung up on, uh, look, on gross margins. I think Tony is amazing no. in the way he identifies things. And gross margins, they've already said. With Tesla on any level. It's about, they've cared about production sometimes. They've cared about growth. But right now, you tell me so here's if, if, say they meet, if they meet 5000 per week, oh, you're right. you that's, think that that's, the stock that's the is, goes You're right. Where? That's the magic. But I would say I always look at sentiment, and I know for a fact institutions right now, hedge funds are being very, very critical here. All right. Let's stick with the autos. General mm. Motors is bringing back its iconic Chevy Blazer. Let's get to Phil LeBeau in Chicago for all the details. Hi, Phil. Melissa, it's been about 14 years since we last saw the Chevy Blazer being sold by General Motors. Well, get ready for the new one because the company unveiled it last night in Atlanta. And if it looks far different than the Blazer you remember, that's because it is. The old one was a true SUV built on a truck platform. This one is a crossover utility vehicle. It's a 2019 model that goes on sale next year. And it will be built in Mexico, which does not sit well with the UAW. It issued a statement saying GM employs over 15,000 production workers in Mexico, pays the workers less than $3 per hour, and exports over 80% of the vehicles to the U.S. to sell here. This is all happening while UAW GM workers here in the U.S. are laid off 
in unemployed. Why is General Motors bringing back the Blazer? Because it's a hot market right now for crossovers. Look at the sales year to date, or I should say in the first quarter for General Motors. These guys aren't the only ones who realize this is what people want. High profit margin vehicles like a crossover are in demand. And so they're going to add to that with the Chevy Blazer again in showrooms next year. As you take a look at shares of General Motors, we talked about the Mexico production. Exports from Mexico are up 39% this year. General Motors exports, Melissa. And this news, maybe the optics aren't the best. They announced this vehicle and announced that it's being built in Mexico one day before they lay off 1,500 workers at the Lordstown plant mm -hmm. in Ohio. All right, Phil, thank you. Phil Abo in mm. Chicago. Um, what do we do with General Motors? Or buy it or deny it? it? Are we doing that? Yeah, buy it or oh, deny no, it. No, no, that is not a thing. Oh. That does not exist. But in terms of deep. autos. I would deny it then. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at where GM traded up to it. <laughs> Thank you. See what I did there? So GM last year, last fall, traded up to 45, failed, had a big move to the downside. Traded up to 45 earlier this year, seemingly be failing now. Valuation is a compelling argument. I get it. But it's had a tremendous run. Maybe these autos are dead money. I would rather deny it than buy it at these levels. Yeah, I'm with Guy, and I would deny this one, too. I oh, no, not you, too. I would, yes, because I completely agree. And look at the price action of this thing has been awful over the last couple of days. You just want to stay away from it now. I would, I would buy it, not deny it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Especially with the crossovers. Phil, Phil showed that little graphic there with crossovers up 23% yeah. and pickup trucks car. only up 2%. Okay. Ford is your name for pickup trucks, GM crossover. Stop talking. You bought you Deny it. That's the wrong game. Chevy Blazer, by the way, was the it car in the 80s. In fact, it was my first car. I got a used 87 oh Chevy Blazer. <laughs> so nice. to celebrate the return of the Blazer, we thought we'd do a little flashback Friday, take it back to the decade of decadence to show you what the traders looked like then. Oh. So we start off with Guy. Um, take a look at what Guy looked like. Oh, wow. Which one are you? Yeah, which guy. one is he? This I'm the one, one with the stripes. The, the one in the middle? Stripes, obviously. Look at that look stare. Look at that look. Oh. Nasty, um, then there's man. Grasso. Where's Grasso's picture? Denial. 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 There he is. Wow. There you go. Oh, yeah. Identical. Was the 80s? Um, yeah. Brian Kelly. Let's take a look at Brian Kelly here. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so adorable. That. That's the Don Johnson look right and, there. And uh, David Seberg. <laughs> David Seberg's picture in the 80s. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same. Exactly. Oh, oh just kidding. Wow. There's the actual picture. And you do actually look. I look exactly looks like Meryl Streep there. Someone forgot to tell it, it got taken out of the Dow. Bye. Speakers. Uh, you know, I said gold was a decent buy. I think silver, too. SLV, great risk reward. Seberg. Uh, XOP. Just for a trade, I like the XOP for a short run to 45 bucks. Key. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> one CHK comes out, Mal. Back to you. All right, that does it for us here on Pass. See you back here Monday at 5. Don't move off because action starts right after the break. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind. 
just like Hacker has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.